Because the other thing I see so often, and I did the same thing, was I got out of my marriage and was looking to jump into a relationship, like find me somebody. And, you know, I did that relationship thing afterwards and I brought the same person into a new relationship. But if I know my worth on my own and you come into the picture, you don't have any effect on my worth. You add to my life, but you don't take away from my life. What is up, friend? Scott Brandt, host of the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. How often are you going through life not using your true voice? And if you're using your voice, do you trust what you're speaking, what you're saying? You're like, my voice? Yeah, are you standing up for yourself and are you speaking out? In today's society, in today's world, a lot of us have given up on our voice and have allowed the stories and the beliefs of others to dictate how we see ourselves, how we speak up, how we stand up for ourselves, how we show up because of what other people told us. In this episode, I had a great conversation with Kelly Scroy, such a great, strong woman that has a special place in her heart to help men and women that have gone through divorce to find their true voice and stand up and start using it to reconnect with themselves. She had her own journey that she went through that led her to where she's at now that she's been able to turn around and help other people speak up, stand out, and find their purpose in life and really connect with who they are. Within the episode, a couple things that we talk about, we talk about multiple things, but a couple big things is being present, overcoming the script, and then finding yourself. And so we know when we go through the journey beyond divorce, we get to a point where we don't know who we truly are. And so now you have the opportunity in this new environment to really do the deep dive and find out who you truly are. So after the episode, after you listen, take the time and look and see, are you using your voice and are you trusting that voice with everything about yourself? Are you standing up and playing big and showing up? If you're a regular listener, thank you for your support. Thank you for showing up. If you're a new listener, thank you for checking out the episode. If you find value in this, share away, share with other people. Enjoy the episode, friends, and welcome to the journey beyond divorce. What <laughs> is up, everyone? Scott Brandt, host of the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, and I have a special guest on with me today, Kelly Scroy, and she was introduced to me by Dr. G. Garrett Goggins, so she was a guest on his podcast. The beautiful thing of the content creation world is having individuals that host and potentially having individuals that come on and can share their journey and kind of fit into whatever the path is for that piece that's being hosted. So I was looking over here, Kelly, just with uh, some of the information and one thing went through your, you went through a divorce and it shows age of 38 that you had gone through your divorce. Yeah, so it's been, I was almost 39. It's been about almost 12 years now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been divorced now almost as long as I was married. 
Okay. And so when you look at the journey that you've been on since the divorce took place, because you're a therapist and you're also focused with the women's empowerment coaching piece. And I know when we had our original conversation on the phone, you had discussed the fact of just kind of the upbringing that women may face when it comes to our society, things that are spoken to women and some of the archaic things that get passed down and just the generational piece that goes from one person to the next. And then it does take somebody to plant that flag and say, all right, this is enough. And with, with the, everything that you've gone through dealing with that societal norm piece, I guess you could call it. What was that piece for you that kind of summed it up and you're like, Oh man, like I've got to really cut this out. Um, I want to help women overcome that piece in regards to breaking that negative connotation that may have been stuffed into their head based on what society tells us when it comes to women. Yeah. You know, um, most women that I speak to, we're taught like as little girls that our our expectation, what's expected of us is that we're going to grow up, we're going to get married and we're going to have kids and have a family and we're going to be the wife and the mother. And, you know, even God, I hate to go into like fairy tales and like Walt Disney and stuff, but look at like Disney, like all the Disney princesses, like all the women are rescued by the men and the knight in shining armor and And so there's this like fantasy around this little girl being the princess and, you know, we're going to be taken care of. Right. So I followed suit and we even, we even get to that in, in relationships with our parents. We always have like the daddy's little girl theme. And, and so that same dynamic of that women are supposed to be, the one taken care of. Um, and, and I got married at 23. And so, you know, I was following suit. I had the fairy tale wedding. And, you know, when I got to the altar and like my, my uh, then brother-in-law was like, well, you look like a princess. So like all the pieces fell into place, you know, and we had the house and then we had the kids and, and everything went the way it was like supposed to go according to, life's plan until I woke up 10 years into my marriage and I was like, is this it? Like, Mm. is this all I get out of my life? Like there was something that wasn't, there was no passion. There was no, not that there wasn't passion in the relationship. There was no passion in me. Mm. I felt like I had played out what was expected of me and then what was next. So, you know, I see that in so many women, especially if relationships fail or when our kids grow up, you know, our kids grow up. And I had a woman say to me yesterday, like, I had one job, and that was to be a mom. And now my kids are grown and doing their own thing. And I'm not a mom anymore. And I'm like, well, you're still a mom. And she's like, well, I kind of got fired from my job. And, you know, women get really caught in this, like, I have no purpose anymore. There's no purpose to my life, because that part's over. So I had to rediscover my purpose. You know, I had to, I got divorced and I had kids and I let everybody down and, and I failed at that role. And that was a really tough thing to grasp onto and then reinvent myself who I was like, who, who am I? And it took a long time to kind of 
move through that, I'm not the, I'm not what everyone expected me to be, or I, I didn't re meet those expectations and then change those expectations and meet my own from that point forward. Hmm. And I, I think right there, the, the stories that people end up telling themselves when they go through the journey after divorce, those native stories that may be creeping up. And I know for myself, when I went through my divorce, I did not want to be by myself. I, I got to the point where I, I love having people around me. And it was one of those things that I told my ex-wife when we were going through the process, I was like, we're not going to survive us by ourselves. We're not going to survive. And I was like, oh my goodness, like trying every which way to kind of have her change her mind and adjust and be like, no, we don't need a, we don't need the divorce and all that. And I'm like, yeah. man, I, I went through it and I'm at the point now where I truly love myself. I can be by myself. And I think it is one of those very unique things that when you go through it and you start reconnecting with yourself and you can actually just sit with yourself, not worry about anything else. It's a beautiful thing for people to get that way. Um, but it is a tough thing because as humans, we're social creatures. So we're meant to be around each other with having to reconnect with ourselves and just love ourselves for who we are. That can be a tough thing, I think, for a lot of people really to get to that point. Even if you're in a relationship, working to reconnect with yourself so you don't lose who you are is a huge thing. And exactly. what, what, when you work with individuals, how often does that come up with They've just really lost themselves. They they have to go and redo that connection piece with who they are. A lot, you know. Um, and I was just like you. I did the panic, like at the you know final hour. I was like, wait a minute. I think we're making a mistake. You know, we should stay together. And I had never been by myself. Like I moved hmm. out of my parents' house and in with my then fiance. And I moved out of our house and bought a new place for myself and my kids. And for that first six months, if I didn't have my kids, I wasn't home. I didn't even sleep at my house. Like my neighbors were like, do you live here? Are you moving in? And I'm like, I've moved in, but I couldn't be there by myself. I was so afraid of being alone. I had like debilitating anxiety. Now I've lived alone for so long. Between me and my two cats, like I've lived alone for so long now. I don't know how I would live with somebody else. Like I wonder all the time, gosh, if I got in a relationship and the biggest thing that I noticed that women do, we give up our activities for our significant others, right? Like I did this in all my relationships. I did what he wanted to do. I went to the restaurants he wanted to go. And I see this with women so frequently that when it comes to the end of a relationship, people say, well, what do you like to do? And they look at me like, I have no idea. Like, I don't hmm. know. I don't even know who I am. Never mind what I like to do. And people would say to me, what do you do for, what do you like to do for fun? And I'm like, I don't know. I do what everybody else does. I couldn't even make a decision on a restaurant because hmm. it was like, well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? So I had to learn to have a voice and to trust that voice and to like, recognize that I even had a say in anything. And until I did that, until I really got to know me and spent time just with me, because the other thing I see so often, and I did the same thing, was I got out of my marriage and was looking to jump into a relationship, like find me somebody. 
And, you know, I did that relationship thing afterwards and I brought the same person into a new relationship and it wasn't healthy. And it wasn't until I finally said, you know, I, I need to take a look at this, you know, I need to take a look at me. I was the common denominator in this, this discovery, like all the misery I had was mine. It didn't matter what dynamic I changed. I was still miserable. Got rid of the husband. I was still miserable. You know, new mm. relationships, still miserable, new job, still miserable. So what's going on with this? That's the misery. So that's what I do when I work with my clients that are women, especially we go back to that story, that initial story of what you are told your job and your expectation is and your role as a, as a young girl, because from that moment on, you're tra in training, right? Same thing for boys. Mm -hmm. This is what your expectation is. This is who you are as a boy. This is what's expected of you as a man. And then you start your training process and anything that doesn't fit into that dynamic, that's where that rewards and punishment system comes in from our parents. No, that's not what boys do. I remember when my then two-year-old son clomped around my house in my high-heeled shoes and my father-in-law flipped out, like, why is he wearing your shoes? And I'm like, he likes the noise on the floor. He had no idea. He wasn't but that reaction to my kid in my shoes was like a training process. You know, we train our kids and we all do it and we've all been trained. And so I try to break that cycle, you know, bring awareness into this programming process so that we can go, hey, wait a minute, something's not right with this story. You know, this is someone else's story, not mine. And when I did that for myself, I started to write my story. You know, I said, oh, I get to create it now how I want it to look. And the beauty of that is I have no idea how it looks past today. I only know what today looks like, right? And I don't know tomorrow. But I think that that is a very interesting thing, how as adults, what we've been taught, and if you don't take the time to readjust your perception and really see if what you're viewing or what you're pushing out is really true to yourself, and then if you don't do that work and don't step back and say, okay, is this really who I am or do I need to adjust, how that gets pushed down from generation to generation and how it's just a very vicious cycle. And yeah. when you had talked about the whole piece of going from being out of one relationship and jumping into another, it's unique because today we were talking to an individual, me and my business partner, we were talking to an uh, individual and he was talking about the fact that what you really pay or what you really focus on is what comes into your life. And so if you're like, everybody's a jerk or that person's a jerk, like that starts uh, attracting you're like, why are there more jerks showing up in my life? And yes. it's very unique how it's hand in hand with your, your mindset also the thoughts and whatnot so i think that's a, a unique perspective that people really have to take a step back and really look at well people will say all the time why do i keep meeting these men that are controlling why do i keep meeting these women that are this way 
because you're inviting them into your experience based on your thought process and your belief system. We're manifesting them into our life. And until we deal with the parts of us that are not whole, we continue to invite more broken parts into the experience or what, what our belief system's based on. That law of attraction piece that whatever you think about you, so it shall be, right? If you think you're this, hmm. yeah, you will be, right? If you think you're, you're successful, you're gonna be successful. That mindset piece is so huge. And we really just, I think we're just starting to make a shift in our society to focus on that mindset piece where people are going, oh, my thoughts actually control this, right? And I can control what I think about and I can control how I feel based on what I think about. But when I'm thinking I'm a failure and you know screwed up my marriage and screwed up my kids and screwed up my life, and this is the end of it, nothing seems very good. But you know, when I start looking at what's next as exciting, instead of dreading it, that whole thing yeah. changed for me. So now I look at the next day as like, oh, what's gonna happen today? You know, what's next for me? And yeah. that's the exciting part, right? Like, what is next? I have no idea. You never know what's around the corner. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's a powerful thing too. Depending on how you view things, how you're looking at things, that's where either that anxiety kicks in. And so you're anxious about what's coming up. And I think if you have that jaded outlook or you haven't done the work on yourself, having that perception of oh, what's going to happen tomorrow and you're dreading it, it's that anxiety piece. And I, I think when you look at it, doing the work and getting out and having to be sit by yourself after the while on the journey beyond divorce and whatnot, it is one of those things that it's you've got to shift how you view things, how you're looking at things and understand that every situation is going to be different. You can't let each situation dictate everything else. Um, it's like comparing apples to oranges. It's right. you've got to look at that situation, see what you can learn from it. What can, what can you pull out and shape and create into your own story to become a better version of yourself going forward. But understand that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but if you've got a, an idea with the, the shift and the positivity and understanding that I've learned from this. So let me go ahead and take that learning experience and then go forward to that experience and see what else I can add to the toolkit, what I can bring differently. Um, that's a yeah. huge thing, but it does take a lot of work for people to get to that point where they're looking at it in a different light. Yeah. That, that toolkit piece, right. That like, I always use that, and I'm that, you know, I'm very descriptive. I like to use things I can picture when I work with my clients. So I will say like, if I'm going to dig a foundation and I go to my tool, tool shed and I have like a spoon and a shovel, I'm obviously going to use the shovel because I know that the shovel is going to work better. But I could have like a, you know, excavator sitting next to my tool shed, but I don't know what it is. So how can I use it until someone teaches me? So what I did 10 years ago is going to be different than what I'm going to do today because I have new tools and I have new knowledge. And when people are like, well, but I screwed up back then. Yeah, but that was back then. You, what you did back then maybe wasn't a great decision. Maybe you made a huge mistake. Maybe, you know, your choices weren't great, but you made them with a set of tools that you had in your toolbox then. 
And mm. today you have new tools because of the things that you did back then. So if I didn't do what I did back then, I wouldn't know what I know today. And instead of looking at my past and the things that I've been through as limitations and regrets, I look at it like, oh yeah, I really screwed that up. Yeah, that was probably not a really great choice. I take ownership of those things. And then I look at the things that didn't go so great and look at how they changed me. Those are the things that I just said to a client today, like you've, you've survived, you've, you've stood up one more time than you've been knocked down. That's all you have to keep doing. You're going to get knocked down. We're going to have struggles. That's life. Yeah. But rise above them and see the other side and take what you learn from that experience and apply it to the next step. So, you mm. know, when I talk to women and I tell them like, oh, yeah, I get anxiety or I get nervous or yeah, I screw up or hey, I'm impulsive. Sometimes I get mad, even though I'm really good at boundaries. Sometimes I overreact and they look at me like, really? And I'm like, I'm still human. You know, I'm only a stepping mm. stone or two ahead of where you are. And there's somebody that's stepping stones ahead of me because that's how I got here. I had help getting where I am. And now I help people get where they're getting to. And someday you'll help somebody else with this process. We're all evolving. And if we can work in that nature together, that's how we were supposed to, you know, I think that was the greater plan when we all came into this creation was to work in that dynamic. When we work mm -hmm. that way, at least from my perspective, it goes so much smoother. You know, in, in my life, I keep it, you know, my circle's very small because I have no place for that drama and chaos and the stuff I had created and going on in my world before. But 10 years ago, I was like, oh, let's find drama and chaos because I don't like being with me. And if I can create or find some drama, then I can escape this. And I remember my friend mm. was at a very different place from me. She spends a lot of time alone. And I'm like, don't, aren't you like bored? What, like lonely? She's like, yeah, but it just, I need this time to myself. And I'm like, how do you do it? Like, I, I can't sit with myself that long. And now I find like Sunday afternoon, I'm like, oh crap, tomorrow's Monday. I got to go back and deal with people again. You know, I'm like, mm. I live in my bubble. Let me stay here where it's safe and there's no people. There's only cats. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I work with people all day long every day. And it's like on the weekend, I'm like, no people. It's just me. Let me hide. So that's huge. That's a huge difference for me. Like some days I go, how did I end up here? Like, how did this all happen? And it really was just the moving forward and opening myself up to the experiences that that life was bringing me. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. None of us got married to get divorced. You know, no one said on their wedding day, I'm going to marry you so we can get divorced in 10 years, you know, or five years yeah. or 20 years. So, but it happened. And that's just a fact of life. And so now what? Uh, and I, I find it I find it powerful and unique because I'm sitting here listening 
and how it is one of those things that sometimes we have this negative outlook. Sometimes we can get very down on ourselves and have this negative talk, this negative idea. We'll have people that kind of will clam up and try to do everything on their own. And so going through a divorce, you'll, you'll have people that won't open up and won't talk. When you look at it and when you're working with individuals, what do you think is the biggest issue when it comes to people having the stigma of not wanting to talk about how they're feeling when they've gone through a divorce or going and finding that tribe that they can lean on to help them overcome the the stigma because there's still a stigma with divorce. People are still, I don't want to talk about it because everybody views me probably as a failure and whatnot, even though that's coming from yourself. When right. you look at it, when you're working with individuals, where do you think the stigma is still coming from that it's hard for people to open up and have the conversations and find their tribe that they can lean on? So I think it's different from a male and a female perspective, right? Because men are, are generally taught not to show any emotion. And, you know, gosh, God forbid your buddy should see you, bro you know, break down or people should see you upset. And yet, let's face it, divorce, even, you know, if the marriage was just breaking down completely, divorce sucks. I mean, again, divorce is very painful. You have invested this energy on your time and and created a dynamic with someone that you had an expectation of that you'd be with for life, right? Till death do us part and all that. And we, I think that one, we get caught up in that to de till death do us part. We attach to the fact that this is supposed to be forever and mm -hmm. previous generations are still in that mindset, right? Uh, my parents have been together gosh, 55 years. And I remember one day my mother saying like, well, we've been together this long. What's the point now? Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, this generation and as we're moving forward is like, wow, we have to be miserable just because we've been together this long. So there's a stigma. There's that, oh my gosh, she's a single mom. Like she couldn't keep her husband. That's like one of the things that women get like, oh, she couldn't hold on to her husband. And now she's the single mom and, you know, no one wants the single mom. No one wants to date the mom with the kids. And then from the guys, it's the pretending they don't care. Like, Oh, you know, they, I see men get in relationships quickly to kind of offset that emotional pain. So, Hey, I don't have to feel anything if I go date somebody. Um, so there's definitely two different sides of it. Obviously, I work more with women, although I do see men in my private practice. But from uh, the female perspective, I try to break the idea that women need a man to be complete. Right. I mean, look at the I always refer to, you know, the you complete me's or you had me at hello or, you know, you're my better half, like all these these way we talk about our partners, like I'm, and I'm like, I don't need a better half. Like I'm not half, I'm a whole, uh, you know, I want an equal, yeah. I don't want to be half of something. So, um, you know, letting women know that like my ex-husband told me I'd never make it on my own. And for a while I believed that. And now I'm like, 
Well, let's see. He's married and not happy still, and I'm single and loving my life. So mm. I feel like I won. But, you know, we get that idea that we have to be in a relationship. Society yeah. expects us to be in a relationship. Like people hate Valentine's Day. And I'm like, heck, I'll wait till the day after Valentine's Day and buy the half off candy that no one bought, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I love Valentine's Day. There's like cheap chocolate. So, but, you know, let's get caught up in this, what's expected of us, of these relationships that we're not supposed to be single. And it's perfectly okay to be single, to want to be by yourself. Like people will ask me, why are you single? Well, like I want, I choose to be like, it's, I haven't met somebody yet that makes me not want to be single. So I'll stay single. And so helping people find activities and groups and, you know, a tribe doesn't have to be a whole, you know, group of people. Your tribe can be two, three, two people. You know, I have, I, as I've gotten older, I've eliminated a lot of people from my life and kept my circle really small because that's where I get, I get my so my energy from I get refilled from those people. So I got rid of the people that are like this that suck the life out of me and I kept the other ones closer. So for me, I got much simpler as I've gotten older and been on my own where my life is simpler. My what my priorities are are different than what they used to be. So I help women try to find that that set for themselves instead of the priority being everything on the outside to make it look pretty. Let's focus on the inside so that it feels good, right? Because that's where it's important. We need to be, we need to feel good, not pretend to feel good, not to look good and feel miserable. You know, when the outside and the inside don't match, that's not a good life to live. Uh, that that right there is huge. It's one of those things that I tell people, I'm like, we've got to get to the point where you complete yourself and then whoever it is, is a complimentary piece to you. And that may rub some people the wrong way when they're like, so you're looking at this person as a compliment. I'm like, yeah, because you're integral in everything, 100% you are. I find it interesting because we'll hear people that will jokingly say, oh, this is my better half. And people will laugh and all that. And I'm, I'm just sit there and I scratch my head. And I'm like, so what's your view on yourself then? If you're bringing that up, I know it's a joke and whatnot, but still though, yeah. it, it goes hand in hand with the stupid saying of happy life, happy life, which had a guest on a couple weeks ago, Lisa. And she talked about the starting point with happy wife, happy life came from Rural Housewives of New Jersey is where okay. that started from. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then that just infiltrates everything. And then you got a lot of women that are saying, oh, happy wife, happy life. And then guys say the same thing. And I'm like, no, it's you need to make yourself happy. The other person's there as a complimentary piece. It baffles me how often you hear that of, oh, she's my better half or he's my better half. How do you view yourself? And how do you look at yourself if you're saying that about this other person? Yeah. The other thing is, too, when people are like, I need him to make me happy. And I'm like, I would, I just, how do you give somebody that much power? So like I tell people all the mm. time, if you give someone that much power, like you're expected to make me happy, 
then you also have the power to make me miserable, you know, because on any given day, if you're the reason I'm happy and then you're in a crappy mood and you take it out on me, what happens to me? My self-esteem goes in the tank. It's like plummets. But if I know my worth on my own and you come into the picture, you don't have any effect on my worth. You add to my life, but you don't take away from my life. So if you have a crappy day and you're in a crappy mood and you come home and take it out on me, I'm like, dude, go your own way because you're getting in my happy space here. Instead of people that are like, oh my God, my husband came home and he was such a bad mood and now my life's terrible and, you know, that doesn't affect me anymore. You know, it used to, you know, I walked on eggshells because of the anger and the stress and now I stay separate. I'm whole on my own. So when people are in my experience, men or women, I'm still whole. You can't take away from that. You can enhance my wholeness, but you can't take away any of it because I'm on my own whole. And so now I can just enjoy your company. And if I don't enjoy your company, I don't have to be in your company and I don't need it to sustain me. And, you know, I lived that way for a long time. I expected that it was my spouse's job to make me happy and that I had to fix everything to make him happy. And I think, you know, a lot of people still live like that. You know, they go, well, you know, he, it's his job to make me happy. No, it's my job to make me happy and your job to make you happy. And if we're happy together, awesome. But if not, you know, I'm still happy. If you're not happy, I'm going to feel sad for you, but I'm still going to be happy. So, you know, these are the things that... Finding that autonomy, that place where people are their own people, you know, I see so much enmeshment in relationships and everyone's like intertwined in everyone else's stuff, especially families. Mm -hmm. And so teaching women to be autonomous, their own individual outside of there. It's funny, like I'm doing a class tonight on setting boundaries, you know, like teaching women to set boundaries for those few people that like to plow right through them because they're still there and we can't eliminate everyone in our life. I mean, family, you know, sometimes we have to interact and figure out how to do that and still maintain our sense of self. But I think that when people get married, all the boundaries go out the window. Like, you know, what's mine is yours and yours is mine. And, and it's all one and the same. I mean, I lived very much that way. Today, I, I just go about my life very differently. Not to say that I plan to never be in a relationship, but it'd be a very different yeah. dynamic than what I've lived in the past. Because now I have to have like my stuff, like it's mine. <laughs> I have to have my space. Yeah, and I think it's one of those very powerful things, really getting to the point where you can find that space to give it to yourself and have those boundaries, understand who you are as a person. I've talked about this before that the divorce rate for uh, first divorces will end in 
uh, first divorces, first marriages are 50% divorce rate. The second marriage is 67 and then it goes up to 74 for the third. And I'm like, this is a perfect indicator of we have individuals that are going from one relationship to the next. They're not doing the work. They're not working on themselves to make sure it's not pulled up and gone to the next relationship. But it is one of those very difficult, not difficult, but it's one of those tasks that can be very cumbersome sometimes. Because when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, I don't like this. And then you try to run away from it. But you've got to buck up and look and say, okay, I love myself for everything, good, bad, and different. This is where I'm at. These are the things that I need to work on. These are the things that just part of who I am and go forth from there. Don't try to change yourself because that's the uniqueness that you bring with those numbers, with divorce rates and marriages. It's a very sad thing to see just, it just increases from one marriage to the next. And I'm like, we got to do something different, but that's up to people doing the work. Yeah. And you know what? The the work sucks. I mean, it really is hard to, look at yourself in the mirror and know that take that, you know, uh, Jack Canfield has that book, the success principles. And like one of the first success principles is take a hundred percent responsibility for your life, your successes and your failures, your mistakes and your achievements, like 100% responsibility for you. That is difficult. That was hard to like come to terms with not being perfect because we have this idea you know, we're all striving for this illusion of perfection. And so people are, you know, busy blaming everyone else for everything else going wrong. And like I said, common denominator, it was me. I was miserable. I hated myself and I hated everybody else. I tried every way possible to get rid of it, stuff it, run away from it, ignore it, whatever. And it didn't go away. I had to deal with it. I I laugh all the time when I when I'm talking with clients because I said that if if you saw me, if you knew me five years ago, 10 years ago, compared to who I am today, you'd be lining up my at my door to work with me because who I am today is not who I was like if I was this person. Well, one, I would probably have never married the person I married. And my life wouldn't be the way it is. But I had to go through what I went through to do the work. I had to be in enough pain at that point in time and and hate myself. Like, I hated myself. I hated my life. And I was like, I need to take a look at this and do something to change this. Because I could, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to be with me and I was stuck with me. So, you know, I just was like, I, my kids aren't going to want to be with me because... I'm miserable to be around. And today it's very different. Today's a different experience. I appreciate Kelly coming on, sharing what you do, sharing your story, sharing your perspective. If individuals were wanting to contact you and get you uh, in connection and if they need help or assistance, how can they go about to connect with you and have the conversation? They can actually, they can email me. Um, so my email is just like it is on the screen. My first, it's Kelly at Kelly Scroy, LMHC.com. So they can reach out to me by email. I'm on Facebook. If you just uh, search Facebook for my name, I come up. Um, that's, that's a really good way to get in touch with me, email or Facebook. 
I keep it pretty simple. I just use my name so that there's nothing fancy. Um, or they can reach out to you and you can pass on my information. Garrett, Dr. G, he can, he can share um, my info if someone is connected with him as well. So yeah, pretty simple to find me. Stuff. And I'll also tag that uh, episode that you did with Dr. G. I'll put that in the show notes and yeah, I'll put thanks. that into the videos. No problem. And it's I'll, a lot uh, of fun to work with, too. Yeah, I'll tag the link for the time that you guys had done the recording. And uh, that way people have that if they want to go check that out. Before we end, anything that like aha moments that stuck out for you, anything that maybe hit you at the last second that you're like, hey, this is something that's pressing or I want to talk about or hit on real quick. Anything of that nature that uh, came out through the show? Yeah, you know, the only thing I, I say is like really just especially going through divorce or trying to find yourself after divorce, just really stay present, you know, being present in today you know, in, in the mental health world, we, we kind of joke around that depression is looking in the past and anxiety is looking into the future. And neither one of those we have any control over. The past is over and the future hasn't happened. So if I stay in this moment, this is what I have control over. And this is where I can shape that thought process and how I feel about it. And all the rest of it doesn't matter because again, we can't go back and tomorrow's not promised. You know, I never know. I, I hope every day to have another day, but I only know that I can only do what I can today. So staying present really helped me move forward, actually. You know, I moved forward by staying in the moment. And, and just take the space for yourself. Give yourself that space. You know, the journey beyond divorce can be really cool and fun and exciting if we give ourselves the time to heal. True. But um, I always tell everybody that's watching this, listening to this, anything of that nature, if you guys are struggling and you're stuck and you're trying to move from baseline to thriving in whatever part of your life or part of life is for you, reach out, talk to somebody. Uh, find somebody that you can resonate with, somebody that you can connect with. And Kelly is one of those individuals that I would highly suggest talking to. Um, yeah, if you don't time. resonate with me, then there's other people I can get you in contact with. So don't worry about that. Just find somebody. Uh, we're not meant to do life by ourselves. We're meant to work together. We're social creatures. And uh, just don't try to be Superman or Superwoman. Uh, it's not going to work out. <laughs> It's going to be a sticky situation and it's going to really suck. So, but again, Kelly, thank you for your time. Everyone else, thank you guys for tuning in, checking this out, listening to it on the podcast. Other than that, I'll catch you guys later. <laughs>